Hey, if, uh, if I haven't gotten to greet you in this new year yet, happy new year uh, to those who are present in person. Uh, I see out in the courtyard as well and online. Greetings to you. So thankful that you are here today. Hey, we started a series last week called Anchored. And, uh, you know, so I've been thinking about this whole concept of being anchored. And listen, anchors really serve two very, very important purposes, two very important functions. First, anchors are used to secure things that are valuable in times of upheaval, right? When things are like up in the air, anchors secure things that are valuable. You do not anchor things that are not very valuable, right? Anything that's not valuable, your box of Kleenex or whatever, you don't need to anchor it. It ain't that valuable. We anchor things of value to secure them in times of upheaval. I want to show you a picture. Um, this, this photo right here is of a house in Fillmore, California in 1994. Remember what happened in 1994? There was the big Northridge earthquake. Well, Fillmore kind of as, as the crow flies, uh, as the crow flies, the, uh, it's over 20 miles away from the epicenter of the earthquake, but this is a home that was not anchored properly to its foundation. And check out what happened to this home that was not anchored. See, anchors secure things that are valuable in times of upheaval. Think about our own lives. Think about what could be lost or end up looking a lot like that house, you know, internally if we're not anchored. But guess what? Anchors do a second thing and have really a second function as well. Not only do they secure things that are valuable during times of upheaval, but they also protect us from drifting over time. Over time. Here's another picture. This is you on your boat, okay? Can you just imagine? I mean, you've just, you just been upgraded, right? Victor, from your kayak, you just got this nice sailboat right here. Beautiful. That's actually in Morro Bay. And check this out. So you're on your sailboat, and you decide, while I'm cruising around, I'm going to pull into a bay overnight, right? That may sound like a, a little more secure and safe, and so you pull in there, but you go to sleep and you forget to drop anchor. Here's the question for you. Where in the world are you going to wake up? I mean, you're either going to be way out to sea or worse. Guess what? You're going to wake up when you begin crashing on the shore, Guess what? Anchors not only secure important things during times of upheaval, but they also protect us from drifting over time. Because guess what? Currents and tides will move us just as surely, maybe a little more slowly, but just as a storm would move us and toss us around. Guess what? currents and tides are also going to move us. And so anchors keep us from drifting. Listen, our lives, it is so important that we are people who are anchored to Jesus. 
that drop anchor in him because guess what? Storms of life do come. Upheaval happens. Like, you don't have to, like, pay attention even really closely to these last couple of years and know, man, we are in turbulent times. So we need to drop anchor into him to secure that which is so vital and important, mostly our faith in times of great turmoil. But also, even if you haven't been experiencing like crisis or turmoil as much as maybe your neighbors have, listen, even just over time, we can drift and not even realize it because of that subtle pull of tides and currents that can, we just like wake up one day and go, where am I? Where is my faith? Where is Jesus in all of this story? So in this series, we're looking at four different anchors. Things that God has given us to like drop anchor into the Lord himself. Last week, we started by talking about being anchored in the word and just how important scripture is to us, and even reading like on a daily basis, like it's just so important. And so we actually began something last week, and, and uh, if you weren't here with us, you should have received this on your way in. It's called SM4 260, and we're calling it 260 for a really important reason, because there are 260 chapters in the New Testament, and there's also 260 weekdays in a year. So we're reading through the New Testament together as a church family. And I so invite you uh, to participate in this. Man, I bumped into lots of you this week, either over the phone or in person. And just about every person told me, Pastor, I'm doing it. I'm in the 260. I'm reading. We started in the, uh, in the Gospel of Luke which you go, wow, that's not where the New Testament, it'll make sense as we keep going through the year. I'll, I'll talk about that more as we go. But listen, if you didn't start with this last Monday, guess what? You can start tomorrow. It's week number two. We're still in Luke. Pick this up. It has the whole plan. And if you're joining us online and say, hey, I'd like to get in on that, you can just go to our website, sm4.org slash 260, and you're going to have all the information right there. And you can actually even download a simple little reading guide to follow along with us. And man, I certainly hope that you do. In fact, it was on Thursday, day number four of our first week, that there's Jesus being confronted by the devil himself out in the desert, it says. And the, the devil brings these three major temptations against our Lord. And what did Jesus do? He responded with the word of God to defeat the enemy. How did Jesus stay strong? He was anchored in the word. He was anchored in the word. And we can become like Jesus as we anchor ourselves in the word. So get into it, folks. SM4260, I'm so excited about that. But today, we're talking about being anchored in prayer. Anchored in prayer. And when you think about prayer, you know, if, if you have a, a long history of relationship with the Lord, man, you probably could be up here preaching this message because you know how important prayer is in your life. 
and in your family and in your home and you've watched God work. But listen, if you're not as familiar just to the, to the concept of like, I'm not exactly sure what prayer really is. Like, you know, I've heard people pray. I heard some prayer up here on stage during worship. But that's not really part of my life. I'm so excited for you today to kind of just kind of get into how can I begin to anchor my life to God in prayer? Listen, very simply, prayer is all this communication that we can have with God himself, God directly. I I don't need to go through another human being in order to have connection and communion and relationship with God. At any time, at any place, I can just dive into some form of prayer, some form of communication with the Lord. And when we read the Bible, we find that there's lots of different ways that people pray, different kinds of prayers. It's not just one kind of prayer. It's like, you know, we're maybe, maybe you, you know, say thank you to the Lord for your food, you know, when you sit down to eat, and that's really, really good. But that, you know, that's just kind of like one form. There's so many different kinds of form of prayer. I'm just going to put a list up here on the screen. Let's just talk about these just for a moment, just to give you just this, this taste of different kinds of prayer. There's prayers that are prayers of just worship. When we just reflect back to God, how great he is, his glory, it's kind of like reflecting back on his character, right? You can just pick one of the characteristics of God, that God is love, you know, and we just start saying, God, thank you for your love. You're so awesome the way you, you love me, you love my family, you love my, my church, you love my city. Thank you, God, for your love. And then you just, it's a prayer of worship. But then there's also prayers of praise, which are a little different. Praise is when God has done something specific that you are now thanking him for. God, thank you that you saved me. God, thank you for going to the cross for me. God, thank you for my children. Thank you for the gift that they are in my life. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my job. Thank you, Lord, for what you are doing in my story. And so there's prayers of praise. There's also, we read in scripture, prayers of lament. Where we're going through the hardest, most difficult, most grievous times in our story. And God doesn't want to just hear the good stuff. It's like, no, listen, I want to be intimately involved even in your places of pain. And we can just pray prayers of lament. Maybe you've prayed some of those over the last couple of years. I've prayed for families, even in this last week, who have lost loved ones to COVID. I've, man, I've prayed prayers of lament for people who are going through suffering with COVID or related things over the last couple of years. Many of us prayed prayers of lament when we saw, especially with the African-American uh, community in our nation was going through, in our city was going through, um, you know, during uh, the last uh, the last years, just the pain that was so evident. And we come alongside people, and as we pray these prayers, we're just letting our, our grief pour out to the Lord. And he hears us, and he meets us there. 
But then there's also prayers of repentance where we've just messed up and we come to God saying, here I am again, Lord. Would you forgive me? God, I'm turning back to you again. And, and so we can pray prayers of repentance. And we can also pray prayers of spiritual warfare where we learn the truth and the promise of God's word. And we take that and we use that as power against anything that the enemy would want to throw against us. And so we come against that and we break down spiritual strongholds because of the truth and power of God's word. Amen? Guidance. God, would you, would you guide me? We see that many times in the book of Acts where, where they would just come before the Lord and say, God, we need to know what's next. God, I need your guidance. I need insight. By your Holy Spirit, would you show me what to do? And then there's prayers of intercession, which are very, very common because that's where we come and we ask God for his help. Intercession is just simply whether we're praying for someone else or we're praying for ourselves. It's that, God, we need your breakthrough help in this situation. When we're praying for someone who's sick or going through depression or hitting a hard time at work or in a relational situation or, or man, there's, there's more month than money, right, if you know what I mean. And we're like, oh, God, I need your help in this area. That's, that's a prayer of intercession, Right? And there's, there's more types of prayer. We read about praying in the spirit, right? Using spiritual language to like even give utterance to communication. We don't even know how to put it into words. God is so good and he's, cause he's given us this gift of prayer to be anchored to God in deep and profound relationship. And listen, no matter what kind of prayer that you are praying, I want to tell you something I believe is just so powerful. Every prayer, every single prayer is a radical act of faith. Because as we pray, we are declaring these life-altering truths about Jesus himself. Here's at least three things that we are declaring every time we pray. He is here, he is good, and he is Lord. Listen, every prayer, I don't care whether you're praying for your tater tots, right? Or you're praying over the most significant issue that your family has ever faced. Every single prayer is designed to be this radical act of faith. That Jesus, I believe you are here. You promised to never Leave me and to never forsake me. Your promise, God, is that you would be here with me. And when I pray, I am declaring, God, you're here in the midst of this very situation. Secondly, he's good. We wouldn't pray to a God who doesn't care or who's out to get us. No, listen, prayer is this faithful declaration that, God, you're good. That's why I can come to you. So I can talk to you. That's why I can, I can ask for your help. I can ask for your guidance. I can ask for your forgiveness. We can, I can break through spiritual in spiritual warfare because I'm declaring your truth because you're good. Because you actually love me. And your promise is that I can have your favor. You will actually reward me as I diligently seek you. 
So every time I prayer, it's this faith declaration that he is here, he is good, and that Jesus is Lord. That there is nothing that is too hard for him. We are declaring that promise, whether we use it every time we pray or not, but, but it's this declaration that God, nothing is impossible for you. You are the Lord of lords. You are over all things. Man, if there is something, some way that I could just transmit this, that's what I'm doing as I'm preaching and transmitting this from my spirit to your spirit, from my mind to your mind. But man, I just, I just so desire for our church to catch this, that every time we pray, it is this radical, revolutionary act of faith. And it's this declaration that Jesus, you are here. You are good and you are Lord. Every time we pray. Prayer is so important. Man, if you don't take anything else from this message, well, I think there's going to be at least one other thing. But man, write this down. That when I pray, it is this radical act of faith. And I am declaring that Jesus, that you are here. You are good and you are Lord. Every time we pray. As we pray, we are dropping this faith anchor into God himself to protect us during times of upheaval, but also to keep us from just drifting away from him. So listen, today we're gonna be looking at just one story that Jesus told about prayer. And listen, if you're, if you're in our SM4260 reading plan, you're going to get to this in a couple of weeks because it's the first verses of Luke chapter 18. And we're going to go ahead and read the first eight verses and just listen to this story that Jesus tells. It says this beginning in verse 1. It says, one day Jesus told his disciples, okay, that's folks like us, just his people who are following, wanting, wanting to grow in Jesus, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared for people. Dang, I don't want to be in front of that judge. You know, just interesting note here. He didn't care about God and he didn't care about people. Have you ever noticed that those two things often go hand in hand? People that have no fear of God, meaning they don't, they, they, they don't think about his greatness, they don't think about it well, they don't think about that he's either here, present, that he's good, or that he's actually Lord. Man, when people have no fear of God, you know what happens? They don't care about people much either. There's a, there's a, correlation between those two. And I found that the people who walk in the greatest fear of God have the greatest and deepest compassion and care for other human beings. So this judge didn't have either. The judge in a certain city who neither feared God nor cared about people. Then he goes on and says, a widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. 
the judge ignored her for a while. But finally, he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people. But this woman, she is getting on my very last nerve. (laughs) Right? That's what he says here. Uh, This woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, turns to his disciples, and this is what he says. He says, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Mm. So this story is this, it's this compare and contrast kind of story. You know, he's showing things that are similar, showing things that are different. God is shown in total contrast with this unjust, rotten judge, and it's we, like God's people, who are being compared right here with this persistent widow who is seeking justice. So let's kind of like just talk through the story and see what we can discover together. Go back to verse one. This is what it says. It says, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should Always pray, say always pray, and never give up, and never give up. Listen, this is the language of being anchored to God in prayer. This is that like, no matter what happens, no matter the storm I face, no matter the challenge that I'm into, or even just on my everyday living I am going to continue praying. I am going to always pray and never give up. It is the language of being anchored. Now, why would Jesus feel the need to tell his disciples to always pray and never give up? Ha, 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 ha. We all know why. Because it's really easy to give up. In this life of prayer, it's really easy to realize, man, it's been a long time since I dropped that anchor. Since I really came to the Lord in prayer. Since I really poured my heart out to Jesus. Boy, it can, it can, it can really mess us up when that happens. So Jesus is coming and saying, listen, friends, I need you to know, listen to this story because we need to be reminded, don't give up. Don't be one of those people where it's like, well, I prayed about that once. Nothing changed in my story, so I'm not gonna pray about it again. No, Jesus is saying, don't be one of those people. Be like this persistent widow who kept knocking on the door. Jesus, I need help here. 
Jesus, I'm coming to you again. Jesus, here I am. Sometimes we wonder, why doesn't God just like, you know, kind of like be the genie in the bottle, right? Like, blah, blah. here comes a genie, right? Okay, this is what I want you to do today. And then boom, you know, we get immediate results, immediate results every time. You know, I, I was meditating on that this week because it's like, man, you know, sometimes God does just have that miraculous instant breakthrough, but it seems that most times God operates with us in a way that we have to be persistent. It calls forth something else in our faith than just like name it, claim it, got it, move on. And I really think that if, if we got every single thing we prayed for, didn't Jim Carrey do a movie about that? I'm trying to remember. Okay. Yeah, I think he did. Didn't have good results. But you know what happens? What happens if we end up getting everything immediately? There's a lot that we wouldn't learn. There's many lessons that we wouldn't learn. In fact, we would, I think, kind of become like really spoiled kids. And you know what? Man, there would be zero patience developed in our lives. Zero persistence in our lives. We would probably have zero empathy for others. Because like, what's your problem? Just come on, get it, move on. We wouldn't have empathy. And you know what? I think we would even have zero thankfulness after a while. Because we just get so used to just getting, getting whatever we want. And you know what? God does not raise spoiled kids. He wants to raise mature, healthy, fruitful, faithful kids. Not spoiled kids. Sorry, kids. God doesn't raise spoiled kids. And so I believe probably the smartest thing we can do when we don't have an immediate response to what we've been praying for is to follow up with this question, God, is there something in my life that you are working to mature right now? Is there something that I need to see? Is there something that I need to grow in? And then we just trust him with that even as we continue knocking and continue persisting and continue always praying, never giving up, but realize, man, life is long and God is shaping me to be his child. Fruitful, faithful, mature. So Jesus goes on and says this. He says, there was this judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people, a widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. It's interesting here that Jesus compares us with a widow. Today when we think about widows, we probably don't have the same kind of a, a sense of or feeling that it would have meant when Jesus told that to his disciples. Because in Jesus' day, widows were extraordinarily vulnerable and defenseless against enemies that would just come in and take everything they had. And literally many of them had to become beggars on the street because there was, just, there was no support system. 
You know, there was no government agencies kind of coming to a widow's rescue. Um, A widow was very vulnerable, very defenseless, because all the normal defenses that would have been built up in that family system have now been stripped away. And I believe Jesus used that illustration really, really pointedly because I think there's a lot of times that we would have to admit, man, there's times that I feel vulnerable. There are times that, man, even over these past couple of years especially, maybe we feel like all of our normal defenses have been stripped away. Man, there's been times over these last couple of years I've certainly felt very, very vulnerable and defenseless. Sometimes spiritually, sometimes emotionally, sometimes physically, right? Wondering, man, is that virus knocking at my front door? It's like, what's going on? Relationally, very vulnerable as we've had to move more and places of isolation where we just would rather be in community and relationship and not have to deal with these stupid masks and all that kind of stuff. And man, we've just, and so I think, listen, Jesus, Jesus knew what he was doing. He is God. So he picks the perfect illustration here to, to remind us that oftentimes we can feel just this way. Now listen, when when Jesus walked on earth with his disciples for those few years, and when they would run into a problem, those disciples didn't say, okay, let's call a prayer meeting, right? No, what did they do? They just turned to Jesus and said, fix it, right? Like, do you remember the time that they were out on a boat and a storm comes up? Jesus is so unconcerned about the storm. They're like freaking out, we're gonna drown. Jesus is asleep on the boat. They didn't have a prayer meeting. Oh God, rescue us, your people. No, they just shook Jesus. Save us, we're gonna drown, right? You say, well, what about me? See, they had Jesus literally there on the boat with them. They knew that God was right there with them. How easy was it for them because Jesus was sitting with them on the boat? All they had to do was just turn to him and say, fix it. Friends, can I just tell you that by faith, we do the exact same thing when we pray. Because just how the the disciples knew he is here, We've discovered that he is good and that he's the Lord over all things. He can fix this. See, they knew that because they were walking with him. And guess what? By faith, we can know the exact same things. That's why we turn to him in prayer, even when we are feeling like a widow, alone, vulnerable, defenseless, And we can turn to Jesus in faith as we pray. And we, you know what? We're gonna see the same results that they did. Because every time we pray, we are turning to Jesus on the boat, right? We are turning to him, saying, 
Jesus, fix this situation. And in this story that Jesus tells about the widow, what did she ask for? She asked for justice. At the basic level, justice is just making right anything that's wrong. That's what justice is. We could go way deeper you know, in, into that, but at the basic level, all justice is, is making right something that's wrong. And you know what? That is in the very nature and characteristic of God himself. Throughout scripture, we read things like we read in the Psalms that righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. At the very core of who God is, he is just. He is out to make right everything that is wrong. That's why he sent Jesus. That's why we have a savior and his name is Jesus because Jesus came to make right everything that is wrong in our lives, in our homes, in our communities, in our nation, in the world. Jesus came to make things right. We can call out to him for justice, just the way we see this widow doing in this story. But then Jesus goes on and he says, the judge in verse four The judge ignored her for a while. But finally, he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman's driving me crazy. So I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant requests. But then Jesus makes this huge contrast for his followers and for us to see. Because he says this as he goes on in verse 7 and And eight, and he says this, he says, don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. See, it says that this this judge, this, this unjust judge, treated this widow like she was a total nuisance. A pain in the neck. But then he contrasts this judge with who God truly is. Because he turns to this beautiful language of saying that don't you think that God will surely give justice to his chosen people? And we need to remember that when we come to God, we are never a nuisance. It doesn't matter whether we've got life all figured out doesn't matter whether we've maybe got a little junk in the trunk as we're going through life's story. God knows all that. He knows what we're carrying. He knows what's part of our story. He knows our areas of brokenness. And yet we are his chosen people, his precious children brought into his very family. In fact, in John 17, Jesus turns to his disciples and says, you know what? Guess what, guys? I call you friends. You're not only family. You're friends. We are friends of God. I love how Peter talks about this in 1 Peter 2.9. Somebody today needs to hear this. When Peter's reflecting and says, you are a chosen people. God chose you. A royal priesthood, 
which is crazy because, I mean, there's kingship in that and there's also this priestly understanding that we can just come into God's presence. There's royalty and priesthood wrapped up in our calling, being chosen by him. And then it says God's special possession. I love to think about this, you know, if, if you went into God's kitchen and looked at his refrigerator and he had one picture hanging on it, guess what? It's you. This is my child. Angels, come on over. I want you to see Ashley. She's so awesome. Right? Oh, my goodness. That's the way God looks at us as a special treasured children. Why? So that we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. Listen, some people view prayer as like transactional, you know, kind of like a a bank deal. Like if I deposit enough prayers into this heavenly bank account, then God must fulfill whatever I pray for because prayers are right in that check. So God, I prayed enough. And it's like this transactional idea. Prayer is never a transaction. Like if I pray enough, God, you, you have to do this, right? If I pray enough prayers, sometime I'm, I'm just gonna get over that amount of prayers that, I, that you wanted me to pray, so now I've got enough prayers all backed up, so now you've got to do what? I say, no, that's a transactional view of prayer. Now see, you are God's chosen people. You are part of his family. You are a friend. Prayer is never transactional. Prayer is always relational. Prayer is coming to this one who chose me, who calls me precious, who calls me son, who says that I'm royalty and I'm a priest in his tribe and I get to come right into his presence and talk with him about what's going on in my story, in my world, in my sphere of influence. Prayer is, listen, prayer is never transactional. It is always relational. So keep praying. Don't break off relationship. Don't pull up that anchor. Always keep praying. As Jesus reminds us in this story, cry out to him night and day. When you're going through a crisis, cry out. Drop anchor into him to secure what's valuable and important. And when it seems like the waters are peaceful, Guess what? Remember, the tides and currents are still at work. So guess what? Always pray. Never give up. Because guess what? We can drift without it. We need to drop anchor in prayer. And always keep praying and never give up. And there have been times in my story that even now, I can look back like decades ago and remember amazing, important times of prayer, like dropping anchor, like with tears, with just like just pouring my spirit out before God, sometimes with Kelly, sometimes by myself, but just praying, talking with God, dropping new anchors, 
But I long for that to be something that is part of your story. And as I said last week, we can never grow mature as followers of Jesus by trying to hold on to someone else's anchor. Kids that are here, you can't just like, well, my parents pray. No, you need to develop your own prayer life. You need to learn to just like start talking to him wherever you are. Those of you that are maybe newer to the Lord and haven't cultivated this practice in your life and you go, well, you listen, aren't you my pastor? Yeah, I'm your pastor. And guess what? I pray for you. I pray for our church. But you need to begin learning to pray for yourself and your own situation and your home, your family, your place of work, your neighbor. I don't know your neighbors. You know your neighbors. Pray for them. Say, God, work right here where I am. I need your help. Drop anchor, folks. That is how we stay secure and how we grow mature in him. So Jesus finishes this with this like pointed question. Finishes the story and then he, he like throws in this crazy tagline, verse eight. Because he says, when the son of man returns, like when I come back from heaven, how many will he find on earth who have faith, who have faith, who have faith. Listen, when Jesus asks a question, he's never looking for information. He, he's not confused, and it's not that he doesn't know. And he's not even here really reflecting on the fact that, well, when I come back, there may be very, very few of you who believe. I don't believe that's what God's doing right here at all. Jesus is using this as a challenge. Don't lose faith in me. Remember, I am here, I am good, and I am Lord. I am here, I am good, I am Lord. Do not give up. Always pray. So I love how God works and even on the calendar, because tomorrow there's a, an, another opportunity. Like last week we launched, you know, SM4 260, like to get us in the word. Tomorrow there's a new opportunity. And you can put up the slide right here, but our four square churches around the world every year are encouraged to, to together participate in 21 days of prayer with fasting. Well, what's fasting? Well, we're, we're not going to bring a whole message on that, but I'll tell you what, if you go to that website that's up there right there, foursquareprayer.org, there are resources on fasting. Fasting is simply unplugging from things in our everyday normal life so that we can plug more fully into God for a season. That's at its, at its root. A lot of people fast from food or certain foods. Some people fast from other things they plug into music or television or, or other things that they just normally plug into, and, but they take the time that they would have normally been plugging into those things as they're what resources them and kind of fuels their soul so they can plug more into the Lord and spend more time in prayer and in just focused time with Jesus. And so starting tomorrow through the 30th, 
we have this opportunity to join with, literally with thousands of other fourscore people from around the world as hundreds and hundreds of churches together are participating for three weeks. What a great thing to just begin to prime the pump for prayer in our own lives and stories. And so if you go to this website, foursquareprayer.org, there's an opportunity there you'll have to like click a button and say, here's my email address. And each day they're going to send like a prayer prompt, like something to like, here's what we're praying about together today. All around the world, we're praying about these things. So I encourage you to do that. And on that website, you're also going to see some resources because there's some things that like will encourage you to have conversations with your children around the table. Like a little scripture to read and then, and then like let's talk about it and pray. So I encourage you to use this Foursquare tool, joining with other Foursquare folk around the world. Kelly and I are doing this. We've been talking about, hey, what are we going to unplug from? What are we going to fast from over these three weeks to really focus our time and energies around prayer? So would you join with Kelly and I in doing this? I challenge you to do that. We're reading the scripture Anchor number one, and we're praying. Anchor number two. And when you come back next week and the week after, we're gonna get into anchors three and four. Man, I am so excited about them. They're gonna be so good. And I believe helpful in our stories. But you know what? I believe it starts with the word and with prayer. The word and with prayer. In fact, let's pray right now. Would you join me? God, we need, first of all, to ask for your forgiveness. The reason you told that story was to remind people to always pray and never give up. But Lord, would you forgive us for times that we forget? And the life just gets busy. The life just takes off. And whether it's storms or whether it's just drifting. And, and we, just like, we, just, we just don't come to you as you told us that we should. And so God, we just say, we ask for your forgiveness. Lord, would you help us to have a restart in our prayer lives? Even today, even right now. In fact, I'm just gonna be silent for a moment and I'm gonna encourage you right where you are right now. And, and you know what? You can do this silently, but I would encourage you to like whisper a prayer to the Lord loud enough for yourself to hear it. Maybe even your neighbor won't hear you, but maybe they will. That's okay. Would you just pray, like move your lips, make sound come out about these three things. That God help me to be reminded that you are always here, you are always good, and that you are always Lord. Would you just put those things on your lip right now? Give voice to that. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you are present. You are here, Lord, that you are good, that you are a warder, Lord, of those who diligently seek you. You are the lover, Lord, of my soul. I am chosen, Lord, you are good. And that, Jesus, you are Lord over all things in heaven and earth. Nothing is too great for you. Jesus, thank you. God, we pray for our own lives. God, we pray for our families. Lord, those who live under our roofs still, 
Lord, we pray for our children. But Lord, we also pray for extended family. God, we pray, Lord, for moms and dads who even live in other parts of the country. God, we pray for aunts and uncles. God, right now I pray for my Uncle John. Lord, I ask that you would meet him right where he is today, my Aunt Beth. God, would you minister to them by your spirit today? God, we pray, Father, for our places of work. We pray for our neighborhoods. We pray for our city. God, would you stop violence, Lord, before it starts? Would you, would you use us to reach out to neighbors, Lord, in, in your name and in your power? And Lord, see revival come to our, our streets and our places of work. God, would you use us in that? Lord, and would you heal brokenness in our world? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And I'm gonna ask our prayer team to come forward right now. And, and if there's a place of brokenness in your story, if there's a place where you just need to like agree with someone and have them pray for you and with you, boy, I invite you to not leave before you would take this moment to pray with someone else. Just a mature brother or sister in the Lord. They're here to pray for you. And if you're joining us online, man, you can just go over to our contact page on our website, sm4.org, and say, here's what I'm needing prayer for. And we will pray for you today. Friends, you are loved. Drop anchor. Get in his word. Get into prayer. Happy New Year. Let's make it a great one together. Amen. You're loved. We'll see you next, next Sunday.